everyone. Welcome to In Conversation with Lisa Burke. And today I'm here with Jacques Van Dievenet, who is the director of Fond du Logement. So we're continuing our series on housing in Luxembourg. And Fond du Logement is perhaps something you don't know so much about. So here we have the director to tell us much, much more about what it is, what it means and who can apply for such a thing. So Jacques, welcome to RTL Today. Hello. First question, what is Fond du Logement? So the Fond du Logement is a, a semi-public entity in Luxembourg who is uh, working on creating affordable housing. Big challenge uh, these days in the, in the country. Uh, the Fond du Logement has existed for about 40 years, working hard to provide as many affordable houses as possible across the whole country. Yeah, affordable housing is really <laughs> the start of why we're doing this series. So how are you helping to bridge that gap? Who is it within the population of Luxembourg that you target and who are you helping? Right, I think our main target is, of course, those people who need it the most. Uh, so we're definitely targeting the poorest people in our country. I think everyone knows that uh, there's a lot of demand for more affordable houses. The focus of the Fond du Logement is clearly the, let's say, the lower end of the pyramid in Luxembourg, um, a pyramid that's growing as well. I mean, we see it year on year that our list is growing, that we have more people uh, asking if we have something for them. So we're working uh, mainly on that focus in order to respond to the ever-increasing demand of that uh, that population in Luxembourg. Yeah, and in a conversation we had just prior to pressing the record button here, we were chatting with each other about the poverty line in Luxembourg and that it's a... However, one wants to state that poverty line, it is a growing band, as you say, in that triangle for Luxembourg. But you were also saying to me that the band above it are not easily targeted in the sense that there isn't much affordable housing for that band above the, the poorest of this society in Luxembourg, which is a very privileged society. And it's there are some ultra rich people here as well, of course, as we know. But the band above that are sort of a missing link. Yeah, I think it's a trend that you see all, all across the world. And the, the inequalities are getting bigger. The gap between rich and poor is increasing. And I think it's a trend that we also see in Luxembourg. And it's very much related to the price of housing, the fact that uh, one of the basic needs of every human being to live under a roof is getting more difficult. And this is also in the, the rent area where, of course, uh, the people with the lowest incomes must find a solution because they will not be able to buy something so quickly, but at least they should be able to find something to rent in order to then maybe save some money on the sites and be able to get into, a, let's say, a higher purchasing power bracket. Yeah, you mentioned the big gap. I mean, the gap is is increasing, especially in what we call maybe the lower middle class, which is um, a very important area and a growing area of people who are making an important contribution to our society. They're helping us function. You know, they are working in all sorts of sectors in Luxembourg. And I think uh, we need to work further, especially also on our side, in order to tap into that gap where today we are, as I said before, mainly focusing on the lower end. But I think uh, I know of some developments which I th I'm, make me quite optimistic that in the future we can also better serve that, uh, that, uh, that gap. That's really good to hear. And just thinking about uh, the people you serve then, what are the criteria that somebody or a family need to meet in order to be able to get on your list? The criteria is actually quite uh, minimal. I think one important one, of course, is that you don't already own something. That in you Luxembourg or anywhere? Anywhere, anywhere. So one of the first conditions, of course, that you're registered in Luxembourg, um, that you're registered at any of the communes in, in Luxembourg. 
and then that you can prove uh, that you don't have a house somewhere else. Because obviously, if you have a house somewhere else, then there's definitely people who are in more need than, than yourself, because then you also have something else that you could potentially also sell. So that are the main conditions, especially in the rent area. Otherwise, there's not really any restrictions. Uh, of course, if you have a high salary, the chances are quite low that you get a house or an apartment at the Fond du Logement, because as I said before, that's not really our focus and that's not also our purpose. Mm-hmm. You said specifically for the rental market. So does that mean for the buying market, you might be able to buy if you own a place somewhere else also? No, same thing, same thing also for the buying market. But for me, this is a different population. I mean, if you have if you have the possibility to buy something, that means you need some money already on the sides. You need to be able to have enough to get a loan at the bank. And uh, our focus is more strongly on those who don't have those possibilities. But nevertheless, over the last uh, 40 years, the Fond du Logement has also sold quite a lot of properties and allowed a lot of people to actually acquire something and create uh, and build a family in their own home. Mm-hmm. And so just to be very clear, you said that somebody has to be registered to live in Luxembourg, so it could be open to expats as well. Yeah, of course. If you're registered in Luxembourg and you don't own a house or an apartment in another country, then you can technically, in theory, also sign up and be added to the list. Mm-hmm. It's quite known in Luxembourg that the list is quite big. You know, we're talking more or less 3,800 uh, people who are on that list for a place to rent today. So obviously, if you have a certain salary, it's going to be quite difficult to be served on that list. Because as I said before, we focus on the lower end. But those developments that I mentioned before will probably give us a possibility to also serve people with in other income brackets. So yeah, in principle, it's open for everyone as long as you are registered here and that you don't own something somewhere else. And tell us a little bit about your projects, where they are and how you come to find the land and what type of buildings, homes you have. All sorts. <laughs> I mean, all sorts. We currently have a lot of projects ongoing. We probably have about 300 projects that we're working on. Some of them will create areas of, or quartier de vie, like we say in French, uh, like the project we have in up in Volts in the north or down in the south in Dudelange, where we will create over a thousand units for people. And then we also have very small projects, what we call Baulücken projects, for example, which could be just one or two houses inside an existing village or city. So they, they are of all sorts of sizes, which is also important because we need different typologies of houses in order to serve the whole market. You know, one trend is that we see more and more bigger families living in Luxembourg. So that means you need a topology with a lot of... Bedrooms. Um, Bedrooms, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but we also still have the same situation than we had before, which is the biggest demand is still for maybe one, two bedroom apartments. And that's what we're working hard on, on knowing how to follow up that demand. We have uh, systems now uh, in place that give us a dashboard where every month we can see what's the situation, what is the typology of the people who are on that list, And of course, this information is fed over to the construction team so that when they make their plans, they foresee that in terms of the the sizes within the different residences or areas. Most of your units are to rent. Yes, I mean, there's clearly a political uh, focus in doing more in the rent area. Our target is 70% for rent, 30% for sale. 
when uh, we have the possibility to 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 make it that way uh, and the fondologemo is also moving towards that objective i think historically it's more 50-50 situation because in the past there has also been a lot of units that have been sold but with the projects that we are currently working on we are clearly moving towards that objective of providing more in the rent space because I think we are convinced that that's where the higher demand is and where we can help most people and that actually we reach uh, most people who are currently not in the very, very uh, good situation. And when it comes to pricing what that rent will be per month, how do you figure that out? Prices, well, there's a law that basically defines how the, the, the rents are calculated. I can uh, say that on average, currently at the Fond de Logement, uh, we're talking about more or less five euros per square meter. So this is, if you compare that to uh, prices on the private market, that's very low. This is thanks to the support that we get from the Ministry of Housing that allows us to be able to provide uh, and uh, to offer these type of rents. That excludes the charges because, of course, the charges are always uh, depending on where you live, what heating system is in place, etc., etc. Yeah, it's a law that basically defines how we need to calculate that. And I think the, the best thing about it is that it's always in line with what you earn. So uh, it's always in line what we call, with what we call the R&D, Revenu Net Disponible, which in principle is the money you have available to, 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 to spend, spend. To spend mm. and, and also for housing, but also for other things. We're trying to keep the percentage of that available money under a certain level. Yeah, uh, so, so that people can save potentially for... That people can save potentially and that they don't find themselves in the situation that we uh, sometimes hear on the market and in the press where people spend 50, up to 50% or 60% of their salary on housing. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. that is that we certainly avoid with that system and, and I think that's the, the main benefit of it. And also to to complete that uh, that reflection, also it is adapted according to what you earn. So every year we do a revision of what people earn. So if you earn less, we will lower the rent. Of mm -hmm. course, if you earn more, we will also increase it. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a fair game and it will always remain on a very affordable basis, of course, with that system. Yeah. And then thinking about the housing, which is more the 30% of what you have on offer, it's true to say that the land is still owned by you. Yeah. So just explain how that works then. It's leased land. Yeah, it's leased land. So, I mean, in order to be able to make it affordable, you know, the most the most expensive part these days in Luxembourg is the land. It's not actually the, the, the building that's constructed on top of it. So in order to keep it affordable, we need to take the land out of the equation. There's also, I think, a, a strong belief that if we want to keep it affordable over different generations, that it remains in public hand. Now, that is one model. There are certainly other models that are foreseeable, but uh, it, there's a strong belief today that as long as we can keep it in, in our hands or under public uh, ownership, we know that we can always give it out in a certain, with a certain affordability. I've had a few conversations about the architecture within Luxembourg. So when it comes to your buildings and how you plan them, I'm sure you have to maximise the land that you have and its utility for the maximum number of people because you have such a, a large need here in this country. How do you think about the planning of the building, whether they're apartments or homes and, uh, and the look, the architectural style? Mm -hmm. Again, it's very diverse. I mean, I was very glad when I started working at the Fond du Logement to realize that we have a lot of beautiful buildings. We have a lot of very diversified um, 
Patrimoine. The types of buildings are very diverse. From one project to another, you don't recognize that it's basically been done by us. This is also part of the model. It all starts with the land. So either we acquire the land or we lease the land from the government or the government leases it to us. And also, it already there, we have to start with an affordable approach because, of course, we cannot buy the land expensive or build expensively and then provide it uh, cheaply or affordably. So the whole reflection starts then with what we call the urban or town planning, where we look at, you know, what do we have? What, what can we do? For what prices can we buy or acquire something or get hold of something? And then we appoint bureaus, uh, architectures, uh, bureau d'études. So we work with a, strongly with the private sector in Luxembourg, who then develop plans, which then through a, a certain validation process ends up with a concrete plan. And once that's validated, the work can start. And then it depends on the idea the architecture or the bureau had, and that can be very diversified. They all have different ideas, they are all very creative. It can even lead us, as last year, where we get the prize from the OAE for a very interesting project, for example, we had is at Colmaberg, the Nelson's Hof, which was an old farm with a certain protection. And after a few years of, of planning and thinking and, and creativity, uh, this was before my time, the Fond du Logement basically renovated the farm in a way that it came out with one building for an SBL, so who now uses it for their youth, uh, youth clients, and three apartments on the other side, which we can now uh, rent to our clients. So it's, it's wonderfully creative, actually. It's very creative and it also actually, it's a very beautiful piece for me, personally, a very, very beautiful piece of art. And that shows that being able to, or offering something affordable on the market doesn't mean that you need to build cheaply. There is no relation between the two. Again, the advantage is always that the price of the land is out of the equation. So it all depends on how you build and construct. You said a lovely line to me in our conversation before the record went on, which mm. is that everybody has a universal right to live somewhere. And at the time, we were just chatting about whether a person should buy or whether a person should rent. And you mentioned to me that in Luxembourg, there is historically and to this day, a very high percentage of homes that are owned by people. So explain your view to us. Well, I think the challenge these days is that, uh, and you see the same trend in all the city, in all big cities across the world, is that it's getting more and more difficult to find a place to live, whether this is to buy or to rent. And that is, that is a problem because either you can rent something close to where you work or close to the city center if you want to live in a more central area, or you should be, have the ability to actually buy something maybe further outside the center, but still be able to commute with a certain logical distance between where you work and where you live. And the situation, because the city of Luxembourg is such an important or covers such an important space in our country, it's more and more difficult also in the rest of the country to actually even find something to rent. And I think that's something we need to work on, that people don't have to move abroad because they have neither the possibility to buy nor the possibility uh, to rent something. Uh, but at the same time, they're working here. So there's definitely uh, something to do. You rightly said before, and I mentioned it is for me, the most important thing is that people find a place to live. Whether this is a place to own or a place to rent, for me, that's a personal choice. The important thing is that we must make sure that there is an option if, you, if they want to live and work in mm -hmm. this country. Mm -hmm. No, absolutely right. And just thinking about what you're saying as well, which is uh, the urban planning, the PAG, I think you call it, mm -hmm. uh, the plans mm -hmm. that the, the various communes put together. Could you talk us through how, how they're 
put together or who has the responsibility for for the plans, the town planning of certain areas. And within that, not just the town planning, but when you're talking about people living a outside abroad, I nearly said, which is, you know, Frontalia people living around the edges of Luxembourg, which is still a little bit cheaper than than Luxembourg itself. What do you think also about the mobility, the transport links within Luxembourg? And when it comes to the Piaget, does that also envelop the mobility links? That's a complicated question. I mean, and this is not really under under our responsibility, nor, nor something that we can... We, we, let's put it this way. For, for us, it's important that we collaborate strongly with the communes. I think the Fondelogement is currently present in about 50, 51 communes in, in the country. So there's another half missing that um, hopefully be able to uh, convince also to work with us in the future. And of course, that starts at the moment where we have an opportunity. The communes then, depending on what is written in their PAG, we know what we can do, uh, what we can build or not build, and where we can do it and where we can't build it. So if we have a place, for example, that's subject to a PAP, which is a plan d'aménagement particulier, as defined by the BAG, we can then collaborate with the communes so that they give us an authorization to, to construct based on the validation of this PAP. If we take the example of one of our bigger projects in Dudelange, Dudelange Neuschmelz, where we are planning to build more than a thousand units, there are four PAP who were based on the uh, the PAG that was voted by the commune. Uh, and this gives us the cornerstones and the rules and regulations uh, within which we can then be creative, let's put it that way, together mm-hmm. with the bureaus and the architects that we, um, that we involve. Yeah, no, I, I really just ask because um, when you think about Luxembourg compared to other cities and the rate at which it's growing, it seems to me anyhow that uh, some better train links would be really <laughs> helpful. Well, I can't speak for the Ministry of no, Transport. No, 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 of course. No, 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 of course. Just just a personal, yeah, well, let's, I yeah. suppose you can't and speak personally either, perhaps. In your no, but I guess what, what is important is when we do bigger projects, so the Baulücken, of course, uh, is that's too small to influence mobility projects. But when we bring so many additional uh, units to a commune, then obviously there is a mobility plan part of the whole planning process. When we do a project like, like in Düsseldorf or in Wils, we work with all the different ministries in the planning phase. And mm-hmm. that's also why, and that's very difficult sometimes for people to understand, this planning phase is qu- can seem quite long. Why? Because you cannot just put a thousand units somewhere without thinking what's the impact of the existing transport system. What's the impact of the public... Um, the health, public, schools. The health, the schools, the, the Kleranlach, all the different <laughs> uh, the elements that, uh, that a commune needs to, to service its citizens. And the mobility part is an important one, especially nowadays where we are going more and more into, into quartiers where, let's say, the car would be less and less prominent. So we need to make sure that public transport uh, has an adequate offer getting to the place and away from the place. I think using short distance vehicles like bikes or other types of uh, of let, vehicles, if we may call them vehicles, <laughs> uh, becomes more and more important. And that's part of the, the whole reflection that obviously we then do together with the Ministry of Mobility. We also involve uh, all the other ministries, environment, um, for example, into the process so that what is being put into place doesn't impact negatively the existing uh, villages or existing uh, cities and at the same time allows the people who are going to live there to use as much as possible public solutions, public transport Mm -hmm. or personal transport 
We don't have drones yet, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, the idea is definitely to get the cars out of the, the places where the families are living and the children are playing. Yeah, that's a, that's a wonderful part of the planning. And just to say to our listeners that the PIG are open to the public as well. Yeah. So they can look online to see what the plans are for the future, wherever they live or wherever they may wish to live. Absolutely. So you can get online and do that. Um, the future then for Fond du Logement, what is your vision? You've been in the post since 2019, uh, an interesting time to take over the reins with everything else that happened. Yeah. So what do you have planned within your role? A lot, I would say, you know, I tend to always plan more than I can do, but uh, it's always good to have challenges. I think the main thing is that um, we are in a growing environment. So it's important that we as a Fond du Logement can also live up to the, the demand, that we can live up to the expectations, that we keep professionalizing ourselves, that we keep improving the way we work internally, the way we work with partners. When I speak about partners, I mentioned the various ministries, but we also, of course, one of our most important partners is the commune, because we should never forget that whatever we do afterwards, it's in the commune's area, and uh, they are helping us a lot then afterwards to take care of the public spaces, to take care of... Uh, of, uh, of the, um, the management of, um, of the waste. And so all these public services that the commune needs to provide, they will also have to provide it in the areas that we build. Mm -hmm. So that's why this is the most important partner that we have. And of course, all our suppliers, all the bureaus with whom we've been working for a long time. Uh, and some of these projects are very long-term projects. So you are collaborating a very long time. Planification is very important. And I think that's an important element, this kind of collaborative part that I'm definitely trying to develop in certain areas. One area where I'm certainly focusing on is the, the social role that the Fond du Logement has. When I say social role, is his role not only in providing housing, but also in making sure that where people live, things are working fine. Because we, just to give you a figure, today we have about 2,000 units under rent. Mm -hmm. We take care of the people who are living in it, but we also take care of the buildings themselves, the technical parts, the heating, etc., etc. So we have a big team who, are, who even during the crisis had to go out every day when it was needed. Well, you're effectively the landlords. Exactly, exactly. So it, presence is, is, is necessary most of the time. So it's these kind of... Uh, collaborations and these, this kind of role that we play to the outside, which is also sometimes less known, that I'm trying to further develop and to make sure that we there can live up to the growing, the growing patrimoine that we have, which will continue to grow every year, which means the number of clients will grow every year. And that's an important part because I think the, the Fond du Logement is, is in, a, in a very good situation. We have some very good employees, a lot of competencies internally, and I'm hoping to develop that further in order to provide maybe even quicker and, and in a more dynamic way, services to our clients. Mm -hmm. um, I think another element that's very important for me is the construction rhythm. As you probably know from public analysis, etc., there's a lot of demand and we cannot do it on, a, on our own. I think we need to work together. We are working strongly together with the private sector in terms of constructing, in terms of designing. But is, I think in terms of responding to that demand, it's important in the future that we manage all together to maybe intensify the rhythm. This is related to uh, procedures. This is related to laws. This is related to how we work together. And I think there's enough to do to avoid too much competition 
I'm very happy, for example, that I recently been collaborating more or at least speaking a lot with the SNHBM, which mm -hmm. is the other public uh, public housing provider in Luxembourg. So the two of us who are both public entities with different models, but still the same objective, I think have an important role to play. And of course, all the other constructors, the private sector and, and the other entities that I haven't mentioned here, um, must also uh, contribute to that. And I think together we can do a lot. I'm very glad you said that. Of course, you're not the only social housing entity in Luxembourg, but you're the biggest. We have the biggest um, number of units for rent. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we have the, the biggest amount of, or, or the biggest offer today. But if you look at uh, what all the communes already have, they are a very important element. And I think they can definitely uh, help us to, or together we can provide more and, and, and provide more affordable housing in the various areas in Luxembourg. So there's a lot of actors who are always involved in such a process in order to get from planification to actually having a place to offer to someone. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's absolutely vital, as you said, it's its own, it's like a human right to feel like you have a home somewhere, whether that be renting or buying or in whatever capacity, but just to feel like you belong, one needs a place to lie their head. Yeah, and also a place, you know, for all those families who have kids, the kids go to school somewhere, so you cannot just take them out of the system. So it's important that we find something for each kind of bracket, let's say, because we need all people, you know, wherever their salaries are, whatever their jobs are, they are all important for the system to work. And we saw in the crisis, you know, how important some jobs who maybe unfortunately are not paid so well are, and that uh, it's absolutely vital that we provide the necessary services to all those people who contribute to our economy. Absolutely, and so much better if we can all live within the country rather than having to spend two hours in a car each way. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> are there any other points you'd like to make? I would like to use the opportunity to thank my, my people, my team, my collaborators. I think uh, like for all other organizations, it was a very difficult year last year. Our output uh, in terms of houses and apartments built and put on the market was more or less what we expected. Just to give you some numbers, we had over 2,000 exchanges done by our social service, especially when we put a specific focus on the elderly people because mm -hmm. we know that we have quite a number of elderly people who sometimes also live on their own. Yeah. So we called all of them in the first phase in order to check if everything is all right. So we continued, let's say, to be close to them, which I think is... a the, our people can be proud of that they managed to do that. We also had more than 2,000 interventions, uh, technical interventions during last year. So they're all impressive figures in a year where it was very difficult to actually go somewhere to have physical contact. So, and all that was done while we avoided contaminations or clusters or things like that. So, yeah, difficult year to be uh, looking after homes. Of exactly. People. I'm very happy that that uh, worked out well. I only had uh, three months before 2020 to get into it. Yeah. I only started in September 2019. <laughs> Nothing like a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it was already a big challenge now. Of course, in addition with the coronavirus crisis, it, was, it made it even worse. So we managed to to survive the year and stay close to our clients. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jacques, thank you so much for your time and explaining everything about Fonds du Logement. Just finally, for our listeners, for anybody who might want to put their names on that long waiting list, how do they get in touch? You can find us on the website. There's a very simple way to connect on the website, but we also have a call centre. We talked about the two options. There's a rent and there's a purchase. We keep a list of, uh, of prospects for people who are interested in buying something. And I know it's also quite um, explanatory because um, I spent some time last year, I think it was last year, yeah, we did some videos as well to make it a bit more easier to, uh, to understand what people need to do. 
when they want to uh, rent or buy something at the Fond du Logement. So there are, there are videos on it in different languages. I'm not sure all the languages are, are already online, but I edited the English version, so I know there's also an English version for the <laughs> English speakers amongst you. Yeah, so the best way is to uh, look at the website and if there's still some questions that remain, call us and... Uh, We'll hope to be able to give all the answers. Well, I can say having uh, rung your team a few times, you have a wonderful team. They're all so great to talk to. It's been a pleasure to to speak with you and to speak before we were live on air and to get to know what Fond du Logement do. And so for anyone out there who wants to just put their name on the list, I will put all of the details on the article attached to this. And I wish you the best of luck because, as we all know, housing in Luxembourg is uh, not easy at all, whether you're renting or buying. Jacques, thank you again once more for for your time today. Thank you. It was a pleasure.